0: People of Earth, attention. This is the Mutual Audio Network.
1: The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance.
2: welcome adventurers and travelers welcome to Chronosphere fiction this is your pilot Daniel French and as you can tell by that music in the background it's time to continue the story of Gafgar the eternally unfurnished chapter 11 well-laid plans. When last we left our group, they had just consorted in all kinds of mayhem, and maybe they escaped. You ready? Let's find out what's going on.
3: Gafgarn awoke feeling refreshed but achy, the light of a bright midday sun beaming across his room from an open window. The day prior was a long one, a never-ending deluge of chaos. As trying as it was, and as frustrating as AJ had been, it was the best time he'd had in the kingdoms yet. He rose from the rug-covered floor, naked, but for the stubborn, shining boots. After returning to the Wasted Cadaver, As the sun's first rays danced in the sky, he saw fit to clean himself before resting. Artag suggested running a warm bath for him, but Gafgarn instead took to the buckets of cold water and rinsed over a basin. His people usually cleaned by pails of river water, plentiful and fresh among their forests and mountains. Sure, he enjoyed the heat from a natural hot spring now and then, but not in a tub submerged in his own filth. If I clean myself, i do it right. After the rinse, he slept without dressing, exhaustion finally catching up with him. He donned a spare shirt and trousers our tag supplied him. They were the largest the diminutive innkeeper could find, but Gafgarn still found the shirt constricting and the trousers too high. Getting them on around the boots proved troublesome, and he'd torn the hem of one of the legs. Weather permitting his customary clothing would be drying on a line behind the inn. In the state he, Amadi, Sully, and Doran were when they returned, Artag insisted on having their clothing properly washed. Doran lay snoring in his bed on one side of the room, while Sully's was empty on the opposite. He figured she must be downstairs. Gafgarn made to leave, but after only a moment of hesitation, grabbed his hammer resting in the corner. The way Ling welcomed him, he thought better of leaving it anywhere but on his body. Making his way down the stairs to the main room, he heard Sully's excited voice.
4: The tunnels collapsed behind us, rocks and dirt flying everywhere, with Gafgarn carrying that little grouchy woman the whole time. Then we cut up with Folks, who thanked us for the help, and said he'd be in touch, asked us not to leave, and that this was only the beginning. Yes, He said
1: seeing the people rise would be a cool thing, something we shouldn't miss.
3: Amadi added, she wore a robe almost identical to the one she always wore. Gafgarn thought she must have spares in her pack. Such delightful colloquialism. What does that even mean? I wonder. Wither intoned,
4: I think he might be from further northwest originally. Or maybe his family was. People out that way have a funny way
5: of talking.
6: Well, now you're all hip-deep in his crap, and you're staying at my inn.
5: Artag, you're used to keeping the guild's guests. This shouldn't rattle you so,
6: Aleda said. Yes, folks hunting down the meanest and most dangerous in the kingdoms. Revered and feared, not stoking a revolution and risking the ire of every gang in Esthelring. The wasted cadaver is only safe as the fear of the guild's reprisal allows. Start stirring their underworld's pot, that risk starts looking worthwhile if it gets them the bastards responsible for their troubles. Not to mention what the crown might do.
3: Gafgarn's boots clomped as he descended, drawing the attention of all present.
6: Finally, our resident Goliath awakens. I have a mind to throw you all out after this morning. I told you to be careful, that the city was ready to burst. But instead of laying low, you decided to be the flint that lights the tinder.
3: Indeed. You couldn't have erred on the side of caution and subtlety for once, old boy? I loved the grandeur of your reckoning as much as the next. But the pure tonnage of Esteling's excrement is about to come crashing down on all of us. It's a lovely mess that's likely to stain. Mm. What?
4: We've been talking about last night, boss.
6: Come, master, have a seat. Or kneel, or whatever it is you do. And eat. You'll be better weather the thrashing you deserve on a full stomach.
3: Gafgarn stood at the table while a waitress came from the kitchen to place a hearty plate in front of him. The smell and resulting lit in his stomach reminded Gafgarn that he hadn't eaten anything since early the day before. Salivating, he took a knee and ravenously tore into the feast before him.
4: Speaking of last night, do you usually sleep naked? Yes. Is there any way you can, I don't know, not do that when I'm sleeping in the same
5: room? Why? It's not normal for people to just be naked around each other if there isn't a specific reason to, Gafgan. You probably made her feel uncomfortable. Hmm.
3: The kingdoms only get stranger.
5: Artag, your inn will be fine. The guild hunts the most dangerous villains because we're made up of the most skilled warriors and trackers. Together, we'd rival an army. The entire city could burn, and two places would be left untouched. The guild post and the wasted cadaver.
6: Still, the city would burn.
5: Oi! The
3: way you were talking, that was going to happen anyway! Doran commented as he slunk into a chair. Gafgarn assumed the smell of food drew his underling.
6: The fervent way Doran waved down a waitress. I don't know. Not this way. Somehow this seems worse.
3: What? Gafgarn asked mid
5: <laughs> Such effluence of language from you this morning, old boy! The captain of the guard was found murdered not long after your return.
6: They strung him up on the statue of Neshul, out for everyone to see, bloody and shining. Ironic, with all the life giving and metamorphosis the gods attributed to. The church isn't fleas, I imagined. Neshul?
4: The statue you saw on the square, boss. He's praised as a god of change, ingenuity, and new life. Having a dead man hanging from it is just ironic, like Artog says.
5: I'm sure that's not lost on the madam.
4: That monster? Life? Metamorphosis? The Church of the Void teaches that Nashul places boons on the faithful, promising a transformation where we can embody our full potential.
3: Your gods do your work for you. No wonder it takes one of your armies to match the strength of only one warband. You place your faith in unnatural beasts...
4: Well, I doubt the church will do anything. They operate alongside the auspices of the royal families, their wills done through the military might of rulers. Kings and queens placate, protect, and enforce the church. As a matter of course, it's just too ancient a tradition to ignore, particularly its power to still the masses. Don't
5: forget the clause of Coscadil.
6: The church's knight priests? You'd sooner see Cascadil in person than one of those creepy tin cans.
5: In any case, Ursula may have made things much harder for herself. Neshul is a god of change, after all. She sent a message to the fox. But if the church backs a revolution against crime in Esthelring in retaliation for the hanging, the people will only be that much more motivated to fight. Without the king's army, there won't be much to stop an entire city.
3: So what does this all mean? Aleda stood and smiled.
5: It means there's no going back. Artag said this city was a cauldron waiting to boil over. Now it seethes and roils. Ursula's declared war on the city. She's not in the shadows anymore. Which means AJ won't be either. Now's our chance to catch him. And
3: I can have my sister.
6: And I'll have my gauntlets. Wait now, lads and lasses. We understand what's going on here, but who's to say everyone else does? The fox can interpret the hanging, but the people? The royals? The church? You know what symbol has blood all over it on the guard's breastplate? The lion. Couldn't this be interpreted as an attack on the crown? Maybe King Esthel will recall his army and clean out the city's criminal element.
5: <laughs> Wishful thinking, Artag. The king might. Maybe the other highbrows on the hills but the Duke and Duchess won't. Neither will the folk who live with the extortion and violence. We can expect every side to react now. If the army's recalled, it'll take time. Esloring could be burning when they arrive. Maybe you should think about leaving the city.
6: Bah, the wasted cadaver be my family's. Every table, every bed, every keg be our legacy. If it's going to burn with the city, I'll be burning with it. Maybe you should leave. Telling me to leave, who do you think you are, lass? Sounds like you need to open your eye a little wider. See who you're talking to. Elaida wore a wry smile as she raised her hands in defense.
5: All right, all right. You can stay. You know what you're doing. If you were as tall as you were sensitive, you could rival Gafgan in size.
6: Right, right. So what are you lot going to do? Work with the fox?
4: I like him.
6: He's a naive fool.
4: He's fighting for something bigger than himself to improve the lives of everyone in Esploring.
3: He doesn't appreciate what that means. He owes his people more than just an uprising. They need guardianship and guidance. He should take the throne, organize his people, handing it off, leaving it for someone else. He risks it all falling apart. A brazen fool. Sully regarded Gafgarn's face which picked up an odd quality it had never expressed before. His eyes saw something far off, and the pains of worry tugged at his brow.
4: I've never seen someone stand up for common people like that before. You hear about revolutions, uprisings in the past, but I never imagined I'd experience one, much less be a part of one. It just feels like the right thing to do.
3: As opposed to what you were doing when I found you?
4: Yeah. And what were you doing when he found you?
3: Sully's eyes leveled with Amadi's.
4: I was running with a crew of bandits. Doran was too. Gafgarn killed our leader, Smidgen, and the band fell apart. We decided to follow Gafgarn after that. Bandits? So you've stolen from people. We've regularly raided shipments and caravans between cities. Usually from tips from Baron Mardu of Hostel. So yes, we were bandits. What did you think we did? So you murdered us well? On our free time, we could do as we pleased. As long as we always brought back a share for the gang. Some members did awful things, and I... I did what I had to do when I had to. And you?
3: She asked Doran. The daggers stabbing out from her eyes at him caused his face to drop. Ah, uh, aye, life's pretty simple. Find the biggest, meanest guy... And stick by side. We were free. And no one dared to mess with us.
4: Until Gaff, of course. So now, I stick with Gaff. We were free. And at least there, we weren't victims of the kingdom's corruption. Predators instead of prey. You would know.
3: She looked to Gaffgarn.
4: You took them with you?
1: Why didn't you kill them?
3: Alone, in a foreign country. Having people that know it well is helpful. They were willing to follow. That's all that mattered. She unsheathed her blade.
1: It didn't matter that they fed off the lives of others? No.
3: It doesn't matter that I or my people could have killed either of their fathers in battle. Either. What matters is what we do now.
1: It matters to me. All this time I've been traveling with and aiding villains and killers. The world is better off without their ilk, Wolf.
3: You're as much a killer. Same as me.
1: Don't you dare compare me to your little followers.
3: And what else? Would they compare you to, sister? Everyone turned to see a man black of skin, with a robe in the same style of Amadi's, but green where hers was white. He wore the same type of hat over a middle-aged face, with a deep scar lining a wide jaw. Around it grew a trimmed black beard. A hand rested on the pommel of a long-sheathed sword, not unlike Amadi's.
0: What else would you expect, Imadi? The world is such a harsh place, with people like these carrying the poor values they have. Amadi
3: turned, blade still in hand. Gafkarn could swear she was actually turning pale.
1: Or do. I should kill you where you stand.
0: Why? Because I am right? That this world would only be better with the order ruling it?
1: I know you killed our master and framed the dynasty.
0: That again, sister. Your accusations prolong the division of the Binai Fandwa. Emperor Balo always had a distaste for Yoduru tradition. Is it so hard to believe that he would have our beloved master Indwa poisoned?
1: We were prosperous. Our people safe. No, I do not believe the royal family would risk our peace so.
0: Now, now, sister, you know our history as well as I. The Binai Fandwa was betrayed once before, hundreds of years ago by a different dynasty, sure. But for the same reason. The power to use our order for whatever means they wish.
1: Like war? Like the war you suggest?
0: Emperor Balo's war would have been for the dynasty's gain. Power, land, wealth. With his betrayal... His family dethroned, the opportunity arises for us to spread balance. The war, I suggest, is only to share the kind of prosperity, safety, and peace that the Binaifandwa has always promised the people of Yoduru. As he spoke, six other robed warriors entered, their faces hidden
3: beneath the shadow of their hats. One raised his eyes to meet Amadi's.
0: It was Lin. Ordu continued. The Binai Fandwa has no need for land or wealth. In our teachings, on balance is all the power we could ever want. And it is the power to make the world a better place, if only we take our chance. Have you not seen the evil that plagues our world outside of Yoduru? Have you learned nothing after you fled in denial of the truth?
1: I ran because you began hunting anyone that disagreed with you.
0: This doesn't need to end in violence, sister. We will still accept our brethren back in this tumultuous time, should they only accept the new destiny of the Binae Vandwa.
1: I'm not interested in your destiny of greed.
0: Greed! The great avian Aru watches as all of our world Ehuna... Teeters on his great talon. When I look around outside of Yodoru, I can see Ehuna is not balanced. Maybe because we've kept the balance in Yodoru for so long, the world has not already toppled into Morori. But look out there. Just look.
1: I've seen it. The whole disgusting, unjust lot
3: of it. Then what more do you need? For you to tell the truth. Excuse me, old boy, Wither interjected, walking calmly to Amadi's side. But we were having a bit of a conversation here, and certainly have enough of an itinerary of disaster without you mucking about. Is there any way you would
5: take the suggestion to plan this little family reunion some other time?
0: No,
3: not for you.
5: That's the only polite suggestion you're going to get.
3: Aleda said as she unsheathed her sword and hefted her shield.
0: I've learned of your order, Hunter. One I would almost respect if it stood for more than coin. You hunt the mark and exact justice, yet leave your country's corruption intact. You even have a presence in this very city, which is ready to burn around you, yet the guild does nothing. This is what I mean, Imadi. In the North, even those with the power to make a difference lack the will to do what is necessary.
1: I will not obey the command of a murderer. Stop,
3: Gafgarn said. Swallowing the last of his meal, he stood taking a mug of ale with him. If you've come here to do something, then do it. Otherwise, this conversation is over. It's getting pretty boring anyway. "'You know I'm right, too, Wolf.' <sighs> "'The kingdoms are strange. "'Many of the people weak, but not all of them,' he said, looking to Sully. "'Besides, if anyone's going to conquer them, it's
0: going to be me.' "'Right. "'And your boots, those which landed you in some kind of curse. "'I wonder how you came of those. "'Not a gift, I imagine.' "'Gafgarn huffed in response,
3: his hand reaching back for his hammer.' All right, enough. Our tag announced from the bar. He made sure to place a light foot on a very specific floorboard.
6: I own this tavern, and I'm demanding that you leave. I don't care much about your plans, but it sounds to me like you respect the value of life in common folk. These are my guests, and you're harassing them. To the door, outsiders.
0: Yes, yes. Well, I only came to talk to the sister. We'll show ourselves out. The rest of his group in robes left the way
3: they came. Thailand shook his head at Imadi. Ordo continued.
0: Imadi, I'm going to let you see what the depravity of the kingdoms commonly leads to. You're a peacekeeper, a proud warrior, but you've never experienced the bloodshed of revolt. Ours was hundreds of years ago, so maybe I can excuse your ignorance one last time. Next I see you. You will make your decision, and I shall do what I must. If any of your new friends stand in our way, they die. Goodbye, sister. With that, he turned
3: and left. The only sound in the tavern, his wooden clogs against the floor. After the door closed, most breathed a sigh of relief and disarmed. Artag shifted his weight behind the bar sliding his foot off the panel. Gafgarn finished his tankard. Amadi remained clutching her sword, staring at the door while sweat dripped down her forehead. Aleda approached her and placed a hand on her shoulder.
5: Stare any longer and you'll set it on fire. He's gone.
3: Sully peered at Amadi curiously.
5: Are you afraid of him?
3: Amati's eyes shifted only momentarily to meet Elatus, and she visibly relaxed. She sheathed her blade, then turned to face Sully.
1: I'm not as afraid of him any more than I hate him. He's a murderous
4: liar. You're very confusing. The way you talk about Ring, I'd expect you to support his opinion. It's sick when you people allow it to happen.
1: But his way, it's not our place He's just another
3: tyrant. Suddenly, a little boy sprinted into the inn. Everyone watched as he bolted straight to Gafgarn without a word. He jut his hand out towards the giant, offering him a folded letter. Gafgarn grabbed it, his magnificent paw eclipsing the boy's tiny hand. As Gafgarn began unfolding the paper, the boy took barely a moment to peer curiously at the group before he sprinted back outside without a word.
6: What's that about?
3: A letter from our dear fox, no doubt. Yes.
4: What does he want? For us to go outside. What?
3: He's invited us to go for a jaunt. Take in the glowing sights.
5: (laughs) What's the fool mean by that? Harden sniggered. We'll have to go out there and find out. I've had enough of sitting around anyway. I really don't think you should get involved. You suggest we simply stay here?
3: We end up fighting for the revolutionaries. Word will get out the guild took sides.
5: Against the crown. Against the gangs. Both have a similar outcome. The city goes up in flames. It'll be survival. And maybe we get an opening to AJ. So I'm going. You want to keep me out of trouble? Then keep up. I don't want to hear any more of your crap.
3: Whoa. Save the stabbing for your sword. Fine. We go get
5: AJ if the chance arises. And I get half the bounty. I don't care, as long as I'm the one who runs him through.
3: That's all you, girl. One thing, Gafgarn said as he lifted himself up and made his way to the rear. He returned with his wolf cloak pulled over his shaven head.
4: Boss, are you sure you should wear that? After the raid, you're going to be pretty recognizable.
3: He raised a mighty eyebrow, like the beam of a battering ram, and allowed his grizzled, scarred visage to hit her with all its gate-crashing force as he looked down at her.
4: Right. I guess you'll stand out no matter what. Never mind. I suppose I'll be along as well. The
3: city leaps in the void, and our dear hunters kill the famed albino villain. I can murder anyone left that's stupid enough to be in between my sister and me.
6: Oh yes, that's great. A whole lot of you hit the streets to join in on the mayhem. Meanwhile, I'll wait for you to come back for your coach and your clothes with a trail of chaos behind you.
3: Yes, old boy. Would you kindly gather said vestments and prepare the aforementioned wagon for a speedy departure? You may also want to prepare for the worst upon our return. Don't fret. What with all the precautions and security measures you have due to my handiwork, your fine establishment is ready for any assortment of ruckus-rapscallions. Artag called after the group as they filed out the front door.
6: If the cadaver burns because of all of you, you're building me a new inn, and I'm selling that coach and everything in it.
2: Thank you for joining me on the journey of Gafgar and the Eternally Unfurnished. Chapter 11 well-laid plans. The voices of Gafgarn, Wither, Doran, Hardin, and your narrator are Mike Bethel. Sully is voice acted by Dr. Michelle Booz. Imadi is Deborah Cristobal Elaida. Is voice acted by Julia Eve Our tag is Warren Clark And Ordu is Joey Ochoa Gafgar and the Eternally Unfurnished is written by Jeremiah S. French Production, sound design, and music is Daniel French at Fishbonious Sound Design Please contribute to Chronosphere Fiction by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash chronosphere. Find us at Twitter at chronosphere, capital F, lowercase I, one. Feel free to email us at chronospherefiction at coxcox.net. Well, passengers, that winds up this flight of the Chronosphere. We'll be looking forward to having you board next time. Until then, keep your cosmos clean.
1: Thank you for listening to Wednesday Wonders right here on the Mutual Audio Network. Please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual feeds, including Monday Matinee for classic live and theatrical audio plays, Tuesday Terrors for horror audio drama, Thursday Thrillers for action, adventure, mystery, and crime drama, Friday Follies, our end-of-the-week comedy series, Saturday Story Circle for kids and families alike. And Sunday Showcase, bringing you the very newest in audio releases for the week from our United Artists of Audio, right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.